Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, everybody. Uh, We're continuing today in our series in the book of James, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I want to talk to you today about the power of the tongue. I wonder if you've ever had that experience where you think you're saying one thing and actually you're saying something else. Or you say one thing but another thing is heard. Last summer, Emily and I took our four boys to France uh, on holiday and uh, it was a beautiful first day and on that first day we thought we would take them to our favorite beach and sadly everybody else had exactly the same idea they also thought our favorite beach was their favorite beach and we arrived and the car park was absolutely jam-packed We were in the car, it was hot, it was about 30 degrees, it was dusty, it was like this apocalyptic scene. People had kind of like just left their cars strewn all over the place and we were driving round and round trying to find a car parking space on our first day and in the end I said to Emily, look, why don't I drop you off, you take the gear and set up camp down on the beach and I'll try and find a space. So that was what we did. The boys got out. They're of an age now. Fortunately, they all went loaded up down to the beach. And I carried on driving round and round and round. And as I was driving, I saw this lady. And she was going towards her car. But I didn't quite know if she was coming or going. And occasionally, people would sort of come back to the car for something. So you know that really awkward moment when you're in a car park and you think you've found the space. And just as you go up thinking it's the space, they kind of shake their head and you have to drive away. And I was kind of really hoping that wasn't going to be the case. But I thought, this is my moment. So I I drove up, I put the window down. And in, in my most confident French, what I meant to say to her was, are you leaving? But actually, what I ended up saying was, j'ai arrivé? (laughs) 
Now, she kind of reversed and I parked and I went down to the beach and I said to my boys, oh, it was brilliant, it was fantastic. The trouble is my son who's doing GCSE French, he said to me, Dad, what you didn't say was, are you leaving? What you actually said was, I've arrived. <laughs> I was a bit confused as to why the woman sort of looked at me a little bit puzzled as she drove away. Often what we say is not what we mean to say. Things can so easily get lost in translation. And good communication is the key for healthy relationships. What we say matters. Our words can have a huge impact on our lives. We're surrounded by words. Talk shows, in the media, Everybody has something to say about everything. According to research, the average person has 27 conversations every day. Each one of us will spend, on average, one-fifth of our lives talking. And British people alone spend over four months just talking about the weather. We say a lot, so we need to learn a lot how to control what comes out of our mouths. And the book of James is profoundly practical in the advice that it gives. In fact, every chapter of the book of James has something to say about the power of the tongue. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at one particular verse, which was be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. You will have heard, we have two ears, one mouth, probably because God wants us to listen twice as much as we speak. See, for James, when he's writing this letter, he, he sort of almost sees our mouths as a measure of our spiritual health, the spiritual health of the church, how we speak to one another, how we communicate in our relationships together. He says in verse two, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. What James is saying is that if you can control your mouth, you're perfect. Not perfect in the sense of being sinless, but the word perfection here in the Greek literally means to be mature or to be healthy. But does it really, really matter that much? Are our words really, really that significant? What difference does it make how we speak? In different ways, good and bad, I'm sure we've all had different experiences of the power of the tongue. Growing up, I can remember that phrase that was sung and spoken about in the playground. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That is not true at all. The words that are said to us so often, they can hurt us, they can leave scars in our lives. Something that someone says in 10 seconds can be a scar that we can still feel and experience in 10 years. The tongue may be one of the smallest muscles in the human body, but it packs a powerful punch. How are we to control it? How are we to tame 
the tongue. I think the first thing is to recognize that the tongue has the power to set the direction of our lives. What we say influences where we go. And here James gives us a couple of different illustrations uh, to really just draw a picture for this. First, he says in verse three, consider a bit in a horse's mouth. Just with a small piece of metal, a rider can control and direct the enormous strength of a stallion. I don't think it's a coincidence that God made it that our tongues are very near our teeth so that we can bite our tongue when someone's annoying us, when we've been in a conversation where we really want to say what's on our mind. We can rein it in. Some things are better left unsaid. Then he says in verse four, consider a ship as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. I want to introduce to you the symphony of the seas. This ship is currently the largest uh, ocean liner. Uh, It's absolutely colossal in its size. It's got 18 decks. It's the length of three and a half Wembley-sized football pitches. It can accommodate 6,680 passengers, 2,500 staff, and it weighs over 228,000 tonnes. And yet, in comparison to this ship, this is the size of its rudder. It's absolutely minuscule. And yet, it steers that huge ship through the wind and the waves. Our tongue is like that. It may be small, but it's like the rudder of our life. It's like the steering wheel of our life. It sets the direction. It's our GPS. What we say impacts the direction of our life. Sometimes the things that we say over ourselves, that might be your experience. Perhaps you're someone who repeats over and over to yourself unhelpful or negative word, I'm not good enough, or I'll never get that job, or I'll never find that partner. I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to do this. Our words can also impact those who are around us. We form our words, and our words form us. Sometimes the thing that's holding us back in life from having an amazing marriage or strong relationships or a great career is the things that we say. We may have a phenomenal skill set. We may be competent in all sorts of areas, but it, it may be our tongue that's getting us into all kinds of trouble and leading us astray. Or maybe the words that people have said to us, it can influence us, steer the course and direction of our lives. I heard about one man who spent their entire working career just to make their father happy because of the words that he had spoken over him as a young man. Maybe that's your experience today. Maybe there are things that have been spoken over you that have had a negative impact on your life. So the tongue steers us. Secondly, the tongue shapes us. We have to recognize that the tongue has the power to destroy and to delight. Verse five says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. 
The tongue has the power to bring both life and death. I'm sure all of us can perhaps vividly remember those, those images that we saw at the beginning of this year of those wildfires in Australia. So much destruction, fires just tearing through communities, causing so much damage. Those fires that would have been started just with a single spark. And James is saying that just one word that we speak is just like that spark that can start a fire. It can, if we're not careful, cause so much damage. And careless words can be so destructive. But equally, the opposite is true. Carefully considered words can be so constructive. They can build people up. We have the potential to ignite people's dreams, to ignite people's hopes, to ignite people's destinies and passions in their life. You see, a fire under control can actually bring warmth and light and it sustains life and brings comfort. Emily and I used to live in a little cottage in Oxfordshire and we used to have one of those little wood-burning stoves. And there was just nothing more amazing and comforting than coming in on a cold autumn or winter's day, putting the wood-burning stove on and just, just watching it, just feeling the warmth coming from that fire. Every day we can so often live in a pretty cold, dark world that we have the potential to speak life and light and warmth into people's lives. Encouragement is verbal sunshine. It's oxygen for the soul. We may have all had negative words spoken over us, but just think of the power of positive words. That's why each of us, when we speak, we need to think before we speak. I love that little acronym, think. T is what we're going to say. Is it truthful? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? The rise of mental health issues in our nation. Haven't we seen the campaign for speaking kindly? Kind words can have such power. Positive words, encouraging words. When I was 12 years old, I remember playing in a, uh, a school cup match, football match. And uh, it was a really hard, contested game. And the game went to extra time. And just towards the end of extra time, our team managed to score the winning goal. And it was just such an amazing feeling. And I remember the match finishing, and we were sort of congratulating each other. And we came together for the team talk. And my PE teacher, Mr. Brown, who I really respected, he was an amazing guy, he started giving his team talk. And then he, he said who he was going to give man of the match to. And in that moment, he said, I'm going to give the man of the match to Martin. And in that moment, I thought, oh, this feels amazing. And he said, the reason I'm going to give man of the match to Martin is because even right at the end of the game, right at the end of extra time, Martin was still going like a steam train. Do you know, I still remember those words that he spoke to me. Whenever I'm doing physical exercise, if I'm on a run or if I'm doing something that just feels hard, or actually even if I'm in a time of life 
which feels really, really difficult, I find myself quoting those words. Mr. Brown would never know what he said to me had such an impact. But I say, come on, Martin, you can keep going. You can keep going because you can keep going like a steam train. That's the power that words can have. Our words can create worlds for people, for our friends, for our families, for our work colleagues, in our communities. When you're, when you're shopping, the person at the checkout, maybe the person you sit next to in your office, maybe not on the tube because that would be deemed as weird, but why not? Maybe say something encouraging to that person who's got their arm in your face. <laughs> We've got the power to influence people. Just saying something simple, perhaps as simple as saying thank you or please, or I'm sorry. There's a Japanese author, and I called him a, a pseudoscientist, uh, Mazuru Emoto. He actually went so far as to proving the effect of words on us physically from a scientific point of view. And he did these little experiments on water. And what he did was he got a cup of water, and he, he sort of put a label on it, which was on one it was said, you fool. And on the other one, it said, thank you. So you fool, thank you. And he had these two cups of water. And over the days, what he did is he spoke those words over these cups of water. And then when he froze the water after a few days, he noticed something about the pictures of the frozen water crystals. Here's the picture from the experiment. So on the left-hand side, the cup that had you, you fool written on, that, that was the crystal. But look how beautiful the crystals are for thank you. See, our bodies are made up of about 70 to 80% water. Now, I can't verify for definite if that scientific experiment was exactly unequivocally correct, but we all know intrinsically, don't we, that the words that are spoken to us, they can impact us physically. We are called and we have the potential to plant seeds in people's lives. Not to fire bullets, but to plant seeds. So the tongue has the power to steer our lives, to shape our relationships. Thirdly, it has the power to reveal the source of our character. Your tongue can tell you a huge amount about your uh, physical health. I remember as a child being taken along to the doctor when I wasn't feeling very well. And the first thing they would say is, stick your tongue out. And I was in the surgery and ah, like that. You know, I was thinking, what is the guy doing? But you can tell so much about someone's physical health by their tongue. Similarly, what's on your tongue gives you a clue as to what's in your heart. The health of our words is a measure of our spiritual health. A harsh tongue gives away an angry heart. A negative tongue reveals a fearful heart. An overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A boastful tongue betrays an insecure heart. A filthy tongue reveals an impure heart. A critical tongue has a bitter heart. A lying tongue gives away a dishonest heart. But of course, on the other hand, an encouraging tongue, an encouraging word reveals a happy heart. Gentle words reveals a loving heart. Honest words and truth, truthful words reveals an honest and truthful heart. 
in this passage, James, he asks a rhetorical question. He says in verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? What he's asking, what he's saying is consider the source of your words. Whatever's in the well will come out in the water. A couple of weeks ago, uh, during half term, Emily and I, uh, we just decided that we would go for a little walk late in the afternoon around the common near where we live. And uh, we'd been walking for a few minutes and we sort of came up to these tennis courts near where we, we were walking. And there were these sort of, I guess they were youths, do you know what I mean, like lads. And they were, um, shall we say, sort of basically vandalizing the tennis courts. And so Emily and I were there. You know those moments where you come across stuff like that? And you think, oh, what do I do? Do I get involved? Do I just walk apart? Anyway, we just said, look, oh, lads, don't do that. You know, can you just stop? Just stop. Can you stop vandalizing that? It's not fair on other people. Anyway, it was a big mistake. They started hurling all this verbal abuse at us. And I said it again. I was like, look, just go on. Just stop. Anyway, they didn't stop. They carried on doing it. So Emily got her phone out and she started sort of videoing some of the stuff that was, was going on. And the moment she started doing that, they began to sort of like leg it. And of course, at that point, my confidence grew. And uh, they sort of started running away. And when they were kind of quite a long distance away that I knew they weren't coming back, I sort of started walking after them. You know, looking like I was going to do something. And, and sort of when they were really far away, that they definitely weren't going to come back, I sort of shouted, do you want to come over here and say that? <laughs> Felt really like, yes. And I, I sort of, saw, Emily kind of looked at me. <laughs> I sort of wondered about myself, and then we sort of carried on our walk. And... Um, when we got back, Emily, Emily said, oh, that, that really wasn't like you. And I thought, yeah, it wasn't really like me. But I thought, where did that, where did that come from? And then when we got home, we, we looked at the video that Emily had recorded, and, and she hadn't videoed it quite right. So when we watched the video back, all you could see were these like gentle lads sort of skipping away. <laughs> And you can just see me looking really aggressive, going, do you want to come over here and say that? <laughs> I was like, where did, where did that come from? But, but you see, I shouldn't actually be shocked or surprised that that was there. It revealed something of my character. Jesus says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I didn't really realize that was in there, but that, that cockiness, that boastfulness, that sharp tongue actually was there because I, I was feeling under threat. I was actually feeling insecure and a bit out of my depth and th this event had happened and it revealed my character. See, the taming of the tongue it's not so much about getting control of the tongue, it's more about healing the heart. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. A friend of mine who is a, a butcher turned preacher, he once spoke on this passage, James 3, taming of the tongue, 
And uh, for his talk, he just did a little five-minute talk, but he, he took along with him from his work a um, sort of visual aid. And uh, don't worry, it says human, but it's not human. And uh, what, what, he, what he took along with him was... Um, was an ox tongue. Does anybody want a lick? (laughs) And he held it up. And he said, you might think this is pretty disgusting and vile. You can see the taste buds there, it's really. But you know, this tongue has never lied. It's never sworn. It's never judged anyone. It's never cursed, it's never criticized, it's never pulled someone down. What's more disgusting? This or this. Kind of brings a whole new meaning, doesn't it, to the word holy cow. (laughs) Um, You know, the tongue is an organ of the body. Each one of us is an organ donor. We get to give away our words. Every day, 27 conversations for a fifth of our life. But the only way that we can make sure that those words that we give and donate to others are positive, encouraging, upbuilding, hope-filled, life-giving, is that if first we have an organ transplant, we need our hearts to be renewed. And that is exactly what Jesus came to do. The Apostle Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. See, no amount of self-help or self-discipline is ultimately going to change us. At some point, our tongue is going to betray what's inside of our character. But what James is saying is that the only way to get control of your tongue is to allow Jesus to take control of your heart. If we want our words to change, we have to allow Jesus to change our hearts. And that's possible because of what Jesus has done for us. I was speaking to a friend of mine this week who's a doctor, used to work in A&E. And uh, he said that the best thing was when people injured their tongues when they used to come into A&E. Because first of all, it was quite dramatic. There was always like loads of blood. And, blah, blah, blah. But, and he sort of loved that, which was a bit strange. But then he said it was amazing because they thought they were going to need lots of stitches and lots of treatment. But what they normally said was, oh, actually, if you go away, just give it a couple of days and you'll be okay. Scientifically, the tongue has the astonishing ability to heal faster than any other part of the body. The reason for that is it has the most rich and abundant blood supply. Perhaps a little bit corny, but we too have been given the most amazing, abundant, rich blood supply 
Jesus has shed his blood for each one of us on the cross so that we might be forgiven, we might be healed. He speaks over us. In the beginning was the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He speaks over us that we are loved, that we're forgiven, that we're known. And today he gives each one of us the opportunity to have our hearts renewed. Like David, he's calling us to pray that prayer, create in me a pure heart, O God, allowing him to steer the direction of our life, to shape our character, and to be the source of everything that flows out from us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.